Welcome to episode 17 of the Golf Betting System podcast. We're discussing this week the Valspar Championship on the PGA Tour and the Hero Indian Open on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour previewer at Golf Betting System. With me is our European Tour expert. It's Paul Williams. Evening to you, Paul. Evening, Steve. How are you doing? We're, we're very good, very good. Indian good. Open for you to get stuck into this week. We'll move on to that in a few short yep. minutes. Yes, looking forward to it. Now, I've got an announcement. We've also got our resident pundit. <laughs> he's, not a resident, he's not a resident guest anymore. He's a resident pundit. It's Barry O'Hanran. How are you, Barry? I'm good, thanks, guys. Cheers for the updated status. Oh, it's brilliant. You, you, you've been promoted, Barry. Yeah, I mean, I, you could have had Resident Donkey based on my recent bets, but, you know, uh, I'll take Bondit. To be fair, Paul Dunn, he was flying last week, wasn't he? <laughs> <Paul> Very low. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he, was, he was flying under the radar. Right, um, just a bit of housekeeping. It's golfbettingsystem.co.uk, uh, our website. Search golf betting or golf betting tips uh, in your search engine and you'll come across us. Twitter handles, I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting and Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. Also want to mention, I know lots of you are using iTunes to listen to us each and every week, but we do desperately need your reviews. So we need reviews. Get uh, some reviews going on iTunes because that will help us spread the word in terms of the podcast greatly with the powers that be at the lord of iTunes. Also, if you're listening on Podbean, of course, give us a follow. And of course, any likes, always much appreciated. All of the content we're about to talk about this week is beneath the uh, description if you're listening to this on Podbean. Live links through to our previews, predictor models and the like. Right, okay, let's talk about last week quickly. Barry and I are going to do this because Paul... Um, can you believe Paul wasn't watching golf over the weekend? It's disgusting. Absolutely, dis- absolutely disgusting. And you call yourself an expert? Absolutely disgusting. Yeah, I just just missed it yesterday, but yeah. Go on, you carry on, boys. Absolutely disgusting. Um, Barry, how did we miss Phil Mickelson? Because we didn't believe that he could do well. Sorry, we actually did speak about him last week and saying we all thought he was going to win again. We just, I don't know, uh, ignored the obvious signs that he was playing some shit hot golf and uh, thought he might be doing it a, bit, a little bit later in the year. Um, it's actually it's a pretty bad miss um, when you think about it. You know, like his previous three tournaments that he played, he was like, top six in the three of them in a row. So yeah. and, uh, and, and and striking the ball very well. Yeah. West Coast ex West Coast expert, altitude expert, blah blah blah. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of an un well, well, it's, yeah, it's an unforgivable mistake to miss it. Um, yeah, especially when there was extra play. You know, we spoke about there was extra places going on, so you're getting nearly ten percent of the field covered, and um, you know he wouldn't have been one of the short price favourites. So uh, it's a bit I of a, a bit of a whoopsie. But twenty five to one, he was at the start. Twenty five so. to one, yeah. Yeah, it's a, a bit, little bit in there. I think um, the other thing with Phil was that he was clearly. You know, doing his usual scrambling and putting well, but the ball striking was really switched on. First win for four and three quarter years, and that's the thing, isn't it? It just nags away at you twenty five to one every week, pretty much week in week out, and he never actually wins, but he did win. So, and that, of course, there's a lot of guys, a lot of experts, a lot of the uh, you know the golf Twitterati on Twitter on YouTube saying that Phil, you know, couldn't win again, wouldn't win again. So he's clearly. You know he's he shut those guys up, and it was a great victory. And of course, now into twenty to one, I saw twenty two to one this morning, uh, and I'm sure that won't be there now for the Masters. Yeah. Oh well. I mean, look, we we can um, from a gambling point of view, that's a bit of a fail. But from a golf uh, fans point of view, yesterday was absolutely fantastic. Um, it was a brilliant tournament to watch. Really exciting. There was just so much going on, uh, and the, that that close from yeah. Thomas was amazing, absolutely oh, amazing. That weekend from him was insane. What was he? Eleven shots off at the halfway point, like he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he shot. He shot sixteen under, didn't he, across the two rounds? That's, I saw. Uh, I saw quoted that he was uh, he was matched at seven hundred and twenty on Betfair. I wow. hope. Um, I hope they laid that off after he dunked his eagle <laughs> on eighteen. 
it'd have been significantly shorter by that point. Yeah, I, I was I was on Betfair because I had a little bit of action on Thomas last night, and uh, he, he went as low as one point one eight. Oh wow! As soon as, 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 soon as it all caught up, one point one eight. Uh, well done, Paul, as well for Scott Jameson last week. Who uh, he he didn't let you down, did he? He finished seventh, and you had seven places yeah. each way with Coral, so you got yeah, a, full, he, a full return. Brilliant. Yeah, that was um, that was quite quite nice. Um, he he does like his South African golf, uh, Scott Jameson. So mm. yeah, that was um, that was pleasing to get that uh, get that one in. Um, clearly, George Coatsy won. Um, he's that's kind of his level, isn't it? You know. When he's playing these small co-sanctioned events and he's playing some decent golf, he can convert. Whether you can justify backing him at 10, 12 to 1, um, I, I couldn't do it. But, you know, so, so be it. He goes and wins and good luck to him. But um, no, there'll be plenty of other, other events where he gets in a similar position and he won't convert. Um, he was two over early on in his round yesterday and managed to pull it round. And I guess there wasn't a great deal chasing him, really. But no, fair enough. I suppose you have to build in the price against what he's likely to face in terms of competition. And like you, I know Barrett, I watched it as well. He was never really under pressure from a player of any real quality, was he? You know, there was Sam Horsfield up there. There was the Finnish guy who was kind of took the lead for a period of time. Yeah, Cajona, yeah. Yeah, Uh, and he did wobble, but you know, when I think it was was it seven straight one putts. At one yeah. stage, yeah. And he, he was putting well all week. Um, so, you know, he, he's when he's putting well, he's a, he's a good player. Um, he knows that course like the back of his hands. So, um, yeah, no, you know, you take it on the chin. Um, I, I, was, I was never going to back him at that price. And if he wins, he wins. And, yeah, he, he, he did. So, so, there you go. Be interesting. Here, to... uh... Oh, sorry, Barry. Sorry, I was just saying, it'd be interesting to see if he can use this to kick on a bit better. Because, like you said, he started, you know, he, had a, he was a couple over early on. He had a monstrous wobble on eight and nine, and I don't know how he made par on both of those holes, but he pulled it off, and that just yeah. seemed to settle him for a real nice back nine charge. So, yeah. you know, that that could be the kind of thing that kicks his confidence on a level and and maybe helps him to to a higher um, you know higher standard tournament victory than you know these co-sanctioned events. He's a seriously talented player, and oh, what's he is, that, yeah. it's just what the does confidence. that kind of what what kind of victory does that open for Coatsy? Does it do a lot for him really? No, no, it's a tiny event, so he won't have any better playing privileges than he had before. I mean, his next step, he's got to get himself into the top uh, top 50. I think that put him um, 97th, something like that, without looking. It was just inside the top 100, I think. Yeah. So he's moving forward, but he's, you know, to your point, Barry, he's been in this situation before. He's got himself um, over the line in a, a small co-sanctioned event, and you think, well, you know, that's got to, got to build him up. And then the ne- next time he's in position with some decent players um, chasing him down it, it all goes to pot so um, but perhaps that's me just sounding bitter because I've backed him when he's uh, you know he started throwing it in the water on the 72nd hole before but um, yeah, that's golf for you isn't it should we talk Hero Indian Open I know that you've actually just published your uh, your your actual preview uh, we're recording this just about 6 o'clock UK time on Monday evening. So do you want to talk through, you know, 10, 12 minutes around the Hero Indian Open and uh, the course? What I know it's an evil course. It's very, very difficult. I can see that the field strength seems to be uh, better this year. They seem to have got some half-decent players coming over for this. Do you want to talk through it and th- and through your picks and your reasoning? Yeah, yeah. I, as you say, I've, I've just gone live, so it's just, just after six. Um, I'll be honest, I've only read it through a couple of times, so it's bound to be riddled with uh, spelling mistakes, so I'll go through it again properly afterwards. Um, but yeah, you're right, Steve. It is a decent enough field for, um, for what is, a, a, again, just a small co-sanctioned event. Um, and I guess part of the reason for that is um, what should have been a, another event next week, the Philippine uh, Golf Championship or Masters or something or other, um, isn't happening now. So um, the European Tour rank and file haven't got an event now um, until after the Masters. Oh, so, okay. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. They, so they've got um, we, we, they've got a week off next week. It's the WGC uh, match played a week after, then another week off, then the Masters. So. Um, the, the guys who aren't in that kind of lofty position aren't going to be playing now to the Spanish Open, which is in the second week of um, April. So, 
Um, a few of them have come over for this. So you've got the likes of uh, Shibanga Sharma, who you know, played fantastic last week. He was in a great position, wasn't he, for, yeah. for three days and then um, kind of slipped back on uh, on Sunday. And I know a lot of people on our Facebook group had taken a punt on him at around 300 to 1. Um, and, uh, you know, disappointment there that he didn't even place in the end. But, uh, you know, even so, again, good uh, experience for the lad. And, uh, you know, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with uh, going forward. So you've got him, um, uh, Anibal Lahiri, Yost uh, Loughton, Grillo's come over, uh, Chris Wood, um, Pablo Larathabel, um, you know, Wooden Larathabel and, and Grillo as well have all been playing well. Um, you got SSP Chowrasia, who's uh, won the last two Indian Opens, um, and uh, yeah, it's not not a bad field um, altogether, I guess. Um, the the favourite is Sharma, as you might expect, and he's now the top ranked player in the field in terms of OWGR on the back of his performance last week. So he's up to sixty sixth, um, and this is his home course. He he lives locally, he lives in 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 the this part of uh, Delhi where where they're playing. So. Um, is attached to the course. You know, there's a lot of um, positives about about Sharma this week. Um, if you can overlook the fact that he's coming straight back from Mexico, um, where he's had a you know a, a decent lead in a WGC and he's let it all slip. So, you know, he's coming in what, fourteen to one. I'm seeing right now, um, yeah. and he's been he's been backed in quite heavily. So, you know, people aren't missing these uh, these kind of salient points associated with him this week. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Whether you can overlook the, those those two aspects is uh, you know the decision you make, I guess. Um, this is the third Indian Open they're playing um, as part of the European Tour. It's been going for donkey's years. It's the fifty fourth altogether, I think. Um, but they've only been playing um, for the last three years as a co-sanctioned event with the European Tour, and they played the first couple of uh, renewals at the Delhi Golf Club, which um, was a tight, tree-lined, um, short sub seven thousand yard affair. Um, which was quite a nice event uh, or course to try and um, pick a winner out of because you've got some, you know, some some good pointers there. These short courses, these classical style courses, Bermuda greens, and um, they you know they, they suit a certain type. And it's no surprise to see um, a couple of locals won there, uh, Lahiri won there, then Chowrasia won there um, in 2006 before it moved off to this current venue, which is a Gary Gary Player track, um, completely different, 7,600 yards. Um, from its tips, they actually play at around seven three, just under seven four. So it's shorter, and they've got lots of teeing options. So I remember last year, um, everyone looked at the spec for this track, and as you get with the European Tour, you get a, you get a number and a you know a very vague amount of information. So everyone looked at this all oh, seven thousand six hundred yards. You know, Chad is never going to make that because it's far far too long for him. Um, and then he went and won by seven shots because they didn't play anywhere near the length, of course, that it can be. And uh, seven uh, shots—that's incredible. Yeah, it's um, and you, you alluded to it at the start. Um, it's a tough track. Uh, didn't Eddie? Didn't Eddie Pepperell say it was designed by Satan last week <laughs> on Twitter? Yeah, he's given it a miss this this uh, this time round. What, what, what is so difficult about this course then? It's. I think every single shot is demanding. And there's two, two nines. There's a quarry nine and there's a lakes nine. So the lakes nine, as you can imagine, is built um, around a couple of lakes, lots of water in play. It's tight, but it's not, you know, it's not Delhi Golf Club tight. It's, um, it's wider than that. Um, but the greens are massive. There's huge greens. The greens in regulation numbers tend to be okay. But, um, you know, there's three or four tiers on some of these greens. And, and trying to get close um, enough to actually make some putts is tough. The runoffs on some of these greens are, are obscene as well, and um, you know we saw saw last year how many doubles and trebles. You know it wasn't just a bogey you were making; it was it was double. You know that some of these guys were going around not with a bogey free round because they were making the three or four doubles and then a few birdies go with it. So um, we got to a point where there were only seven players under par by the end of the uh, end of the week. Chow Razor one and ten under, and I said he was seven clear of the rest of the field. So um, it does play tough. Um, and that wasn't in particularly difficult conditions last year, and they're not going to be particularly difficult this year either. So um, firm and fast, it's going to be up to about ninety degrees Fahrenheit. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be warm as well with that, and it's, it's, it's you know, it's not not going to be getting any softer. That's for sure. So um, yeah, I'm expecting it to be quite a challenge. I think. Okay, who are you going for? What yeah, what, what, what what do you think's the key? Clearly, raise a sharp short game if it, if it's a. If it's S S S P Chowrasia kind of country, 
Yeah, well, if you have a look at the, the, the guys who finished first and second, so you've got Gavin Green finished second and Chow Razor finished first. And, you know, Chow is always down near the bottom of the uh, driving distance charts because he's, he's short off the tee. He was uh, 67th out of 69 who made the cut um, in terms of his DD last year. Um, and, uh, and Green was similar. He was 60th out of 69. So even though they're going to play a course that um, he's going to be playing circa 7,300 yards and they will change the tees from day to day and Saturday will probably be significantly shorter as they make it scoreable, etc. Um, yeah, it's not about driving distance. Um, the driving accuracy, the more accurate players um, could get round there without making any, as many bogeys. So if you've got someone who's going from tee to green and makes a few putts, yeah, they could do it that way. Charaja did it the other way, which um, he tends to do. So he's not, he's not wildly inaccurate, Charaja. His, green, um, his, uh, his uh, irons just tend to be the, uh, the letdown for him. So he tends to hit more fairways than he hits greens and then uh, makes up for it on and around the... Uh, Putting surfaces himself, but but yeah, he led the field for um, for scrambling last year, um, and uh, he was seventh, I think, for putting. So um, you look at that as a blueprint. I think well, someone who's um, capable of saving his par by you know a razor short sharp game is going to be uh, going to be that, that kind of player who can uh, contend here. For me, there's a certain mindset to a type of track where you go and you know that it's demanding from the outset yeah yeah sounds like what we need at the Valspar as well this week very similar yeah you know when you when you go to the likes of a, a Val, this isn't Valderrama but if you, you know taking that as a um, as a comparison you go to Valderrama you know that you're going to have to grind out a score you're going to have to you know you've got, you've got your fairways and greens there you've got to take your par and, uh, and move on to the next hole um, and this is a slightly different challenge because the greens are bigger it's wider um, you know, it's runoffs. It's not tree lined in the same respect as Valderrama, so it's a different type of qu- um, or test. But the principles are the same. And if you're making uh, bogeys and doubles early on in your round, there's a lot of players who go off the rails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Players who you can't mentally handle that. Um, and those who can, you know, can make, you know, your first nine, you might be four over par. Um, and the players who can pull that round or finish the round off in two over par and still be fighting for the next day because they're still in contention, they're not out of it by any stretch, are the ones who, you know, they've got the mindset to be able to do that. The, the guys who can't handle that are the ones who finish eight or ten over, miss the cut and uh, it's kind of sayonara. So, so yeah, I've, I've, I've gone through and I've looked at um, performances on the more technical tracks um, around the, uh, you know, on the tour. And I think really... When I looked at the uh, the first opening show this morning, Chowraji was coming in at fifty to one. Um, he opened at fifty to one uh, with one of the bookies this morning, and you know it was absolutely hammered because that's that's never the right price for him. Um, and I've put him up at twenty five to one because um, that's where the price has settled very very quickly, and I think that's probably the the right kind of price for him this week. He's come mm. off the back of two consecutive Ita- um, Indian Open wins. He's got four um, runner up finishes in this event on various tracks over the years and um, all four of his European tour victories are in Delhi so you know he absolutely loves this particular part of the world you know he's he's, he's very very comfortable in his homeland and um, I, I can't see any reason whatsoever to miss him out you know he's coming in sixth seventh favorite now um, and if he'd shown any kind of positive form in 2018 he'd you know he'd be short still, short still and he'd go back to the back end of last year he'd, he'd finished um down somewhere, second in um, uh, one of the the, the uh, Asian tour events, um, seventh at uh, Hong Kong, tenth in another one of the Asian tour events. So, you know, his back end of 2017 form was reasonable enough. Um, yeah, I remember just, him at Hong Kong. He played well. Yeah, I think yeah, you might have been on. I think you were on him that way. He's just um, yeah. He's just started this year slowly. You know, he, he could have gone. He was he was due to go over to New Zealand to play in the, one of the Australasian events um, last week and chose to stay in Delhi to practice ready for this. And okay. now I was I was reading some of the quotes from him from over the weekend, and he said, "Look, I'm happy with the game. The long game's good. Chipping and putting's good. Um, you know, just uh, looking forward to defending." So. Yeah, can you turn him down? Really, you know, you know, it's twenty-five to one at the moment. I suspect he'll go even shorter now. I, I, I dare say the uh, the newspaper tipsters will pick, uh, tip him up, um, and you know, is he going to be sub twenty to one by the time he, he goes off on Thursday? I wouldn't be surprised. So. I'm going to ask you a difficult question, Barry, because I like asking you difficult questions. I can already see that with Chow Razier, um 
Sharma is being backed quite heavily already. How do you think Sharma will react to his performance in Mexico, uh, the disappointment in round four, and then the travel back? Do you, do you think he's going to be one of these kind of guys that kind of shrugs all that off and because it's his own, own open, he's going to be a contender up there with the likes of you know Lahiri and Chowrasia? Or do you think it might go the other way? which is what Paul's kind of inclined to think. Um, Here you go, that's a diff- difficult yeah, question yeah. for you. Yeah, predict the future, that's it's an easy one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, I think I heard on the broadcast last night that he's heading back via New York, so that's adding a little bit of time to his trip back. So mm-hmm. you know, there's that, to, you know, a little bit more to bear in mind for you know how fresh he arrives there. But like, do you know what? Like, Of course he will have gone in with um, expectations in the final round of possibly winning the tournament but i think because you know of his inexperience at that level the belief might not have been there so that's only gonna it's only gonna serve him well having you know gone through that has you know he didn't exactly play a dreadful final round it was just you know a couple of putts you know lipped out that would have changed the momentum for him so like 74 is no big shame or big disaster and you know for not far from it for facing it, was, it, it wasn't a collapse was it no not not at all like it was just it, things just didn't he just didn't get the ball rolling for himself you know um, metaphorically so look I, I, th- I think he's gonna I think he'll be feeling very confident after it he'll you know take you know he'll take the lessons learned and um, you know if he's a smart kid he'll have you know absorbed an awful lot of things last week and uh you know, he could put it to very good use. You know, he's got a, he's gone back home. That's that's got to be worth, you know, some some part of a shot or maybe a shot per day per you know, um, just yeah. from that that home vibe, and has a pretty decent record in this event the last three years. So, look, it's, I'd I'd say he goes okay, um, probably fizzles out of you know at the towards the end of the tournament just because purely running out of energy. You know, the the adrenaline might kind of wear away. But you know he could he could very easily top twenty and you know if he's in that position why not put a little charge on? Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Who you? Sorry, the one thing that's interesting is that he went, you know, before he went to the WGC, he had a couple of missed cuts in a row, so which is kind of strange after his win. Um, that could that could be just his expectations building and that you know getting in the way of him performing. So, um, you know, if he if he's learning. Um, at a rate that which these young lads are learning these days, uh, he could very well uh, show up here. He, do you think he's more of a scorer in your mind, Paul? Yes. Yeah. So I, I think he's happier, and a lot of the young lads will be. Well, you know, they're learning their game, and they're they're going out and they're making bogeys and birdies rather. Um, and when you get into a um, a negative spiral on a course or or a course that's testing, and you you're kind of grinding out pars and making the odd bogey. It's more difficult for him to um, to adjust and adapt to. You know, we we talked about John Rahm before, and you know, of the majors that um, he is likely to win over the course of his career, I expect the U.S. Open to be the the fourth of four. Should he get to the point where he's uh, he's going for a personal grand grand slam? He seems, yeah, he seems to be the kind of player that's far more comfortable on a softer golf course. You can attack. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. So. Um, and I think that's a lot of that's just with experience. So, you know, these these tougher tougher tests, it's a certain mindset, it's a certain type of player, and yeah, generally it may well be an older player who's um, who's capable of getting their head in the right kind of space. When Chow Rage is thirty nine, he's 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 been around, he's you know, he's won won events for the last couple of decades. So, um, you know, he's uh, He's capable of adapting his game to to be patient, and I'm sure you know some of these young younger lads. Um, they will struggle to get into that mindset, and they'll start making bogeys and chase it, and then the doubles and trebles come, and before you know it, they're going home for the weekend. Now I can see your second selection is the kind of guy that you discussed a little while ago in terms of some form on tougher, higher scoring tracks. Yeah, so you got. I mean, you go down the list of players who perform well on, um, you know, the, the kind of tracks I'm thinking are the likes of Valderrama, the likes of Le Golf National, where you've got um, a low uh, winning score. And um, if you go back through the last couple of years, the one that stands out for me here is Andrew Johnson. So 
we know with Beef, he went off to play the over uh, the PGA Tour last year and spent a lot of his time partying, really. And you know, by his own estimation, he didn't play much quality golf. I mean, he only got one top ten in the whole of twenty seventeen, um, and spent a lot of time. You know, he had a lot of media commitments because he was, you know, he was suddenly the, uh, you know, one of the, one of the golf's big celebrities. But um, he's come back to the European Tour. He's a bit more focused. Um, top ten in Abu Dhabi. He was twelfth last time out in. Uh, Oman and um, he's starting to find his long game again so a bit of focus um, and uh, you know he's a former Valderrama winner they, he won that uh, 2016 Spanish Open and won over par and that's the kind of um, to, you know, form history form that suggests that he's the kind of player who can adapt to this kind of event and um, you know, and hang around when the, the going is tough and I'm sure it'll be pretty challenging all week um, He's, I, I looked through because I was concerned about his, uh, his Bermuda grass putting, but he's got form on Bermuda. He's, um, he, he topped the putting charts at Qatar a couple of years ago, so um, and that's not a particularly easy place to putt on either with the Bermuda greens there. So um, I've got no real concerns with that. And Johnson's coming in at thirty-three to one with Cole at the moment um, with seven places. So so I've taken him and uh, Chow Raji at the top of the market. Um, yeah, and there were a few others that I could have gone for, but I've gone gone down the list a bit for a couple of uh, longer shots, and uh, following the same kind of principle, really, I've gone for Tong Chai Jid, um, who's a hundred to one at the moment with Bet Fred, um, with six places each way, um, and he's uh, a previous Open to, to France winner. Um, he's um, he's won what, eight times on the European Tour, and a lot of those early titles were. Um, on Asian soil, and he's kind of adapted his game over the years to uh, to uh, get to a point where he's uh, he's won in Wales, he's won in um, France, as I say, he's won in Germany. So he's uh, he's kind of moved on from that uh, being just a kind of an Asian uh, specialist, as it were, at the time. And you know, we saw Mickelson last week. Was he forty seven? Uh, Jaidee is forty eight. These guys are still fit. They're still capable of contending at uh, this kind of level. Mm. Um, and the last one. Um, not dissimilar, really. He's a bit younger. Eduardo Molinari. Molinari won last year um, at the uh, Trophée Ascendeur, which um, was his first win for six, seven years. He struggled a bit with uh, with injuries over that time. Um, and, um, you know, he kept having to go to Q school to come back to get his card. And um, he started to play a little better last year. He was 11th in this, which was one of the signals for him, him playing some better golf, and then uh, went and won in Morocco the, the, uh, on his next start. So um, that was encouraging from his perspective. Um, and uh, yeah, I, he was 16th in Amman on his uh, last one start, hitting a lot of greens as well. 82% um, of greens in Doha and uh, Qatar on his last start, and uh, he was second for GIR in. Uh, uh, in Dubai as well, um, okay. a couple of starts back. So when his long game's on, and we know with Eduardo, his short game can be fantastic. That's mm. you know he was kind of the, uh, the direct opposite to um, to his brother at that point in time, wasn't he? Um, you know he'd be the putter, and uh, Francesco was the uh, the tee to green man. But he's clearly stepped up his game from tee to green, and uh, in those weeks where he can find greens in regulation and the putter's working and his short game's working he's going to be contending and 150 to 1 I'm seeing at the moment with 7 places so so yeah I've taken him as well he's in the dim and distant past but I think I can remember him doing well on Bermuda grass greens yeah, in, in yeah. his heyday yeah he's, I don't think he's got a problem on him I think um, and these are these are good quality greens as well they're really quite smooth so um, the good putters are going to enjoy him if they can get close enough to the hole. It's, uh, the challenge really will be trying to get the ball close to the hole in. So, so they're your two bombs, yeah? Bombs. Yeah, they're, they're the ones who bomb out, I expect, yeah. Right, they're the bombs, <laughs> okay. Have you got any bombs for us this uh, this week? Uh, Barry, no. on the Indian Open, or are you giving it a complete miss? Um, no, my bombs have dead fuses at the moment, so they just don't go off. <laughs> <laughs> If um, if I do come up with something that catches my eye, I'll, uh, I'll fire it out on our Twitter. Um, so yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna pa- I'm gonna rein back the betting for uh, a little bit this week, and uh, I might end up passing on this. But I'll ha- I'll have a ca- I'll cast the eye over it and see what happens. Who's gonna um, Who's gonna really piss you off then, Paul? Of players that you should have selected but haven't. Who Who, who, who do you reckon's go? Who's Who's gonna be the one or two? 
Well, yeah, you know I've been on the Rathbell recently, and I expect the week I'm not on him, he'll probably go yeah. in. But and and I, Barry has, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, the, the real dilemma was whether to go with Sharma or not, and I think there's just enough to suggest that he, you know, it, it's a big ask for him to come out and perform here this week. And, uh, yeah, if he wins, I won't, again, like Posey last week, I won't be... I won't be surprised if he wins because he's clearly a talented lad and capable of doing that. But um, yeah, I, I think there's just a little bit more juice further down the list, and um, hopefully get a decent return out of uh, one or more of my boys. So Pablo, it is you. Yeah, yeah, is the one. Do you think yeah, that so the, get, the, get back in? Sorry, do you think this course is just a bit too testing of patience that he doesn't quite have? With Pablo, yeah, um, yeah. Although again, he's won at uh, Le Golf National, hasn't he? So he's, you know, he's capable of getting into um, that kind of, um, you know, a mode set of a more more difficult track. But um, yeah, I, it's, I, I just, we'll, we'll yeah, I is it? The, it's the price, isn't it? If he's at fifty to one, I'm, I'm of course I'm on. But twenty five to one for Pablo, I'm going, yeah. mm, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does, uh, does he? Does he just? You, you got at the same price. You've got a guy who's won won here last year by seven shots. He's, he absolutely loves playing in in the in the country. He's uh, he, he thrives in Delhi, and you got got him against Pablo, who, you know, best ball in the world. We know he can be a bit flaky, and um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I've, I've gone down the, the Chowrasia route at that kind of price. Just briefly before we get on to uh, the Valspar, uh, anything to be said for Scott Jameson? Um, I haven't gone too deep into his form or you know and what he can do, but like, he was seventh uh, last week and he was I guess he was third here last year. Um, yeah, I mean, is that, is that a fluke again, performance you, or? No, nah, I mean on on the combination of form and, and uh, course form. Is, you know, there's, there's a few like that you could make a, make a case for. What I find with a lot of these European tour players is trying to get them to string two consecutive weeks together mm. um, is pretty tough. Um, you know, they're, they're not the PGA Tour superstars who can go out and you know, go two, three, four wins or weeks on the trot where they're, they're really contending. These guys will have a big week and um, if they earn a few quid, you know, mentally they might take a, take a week off. It's, it's going to be a big old ask for him mentally this week, regardless, and I think that's where the the real challenge will be. So, someone who was um, in in the mix heavily last week um, on either side of the Atlantic might well might well struggle. So, yeah, I've kind of steered clear, but um, yeah, on paper again, you, you look at his numbers and uh, it's, there's a good case for him. Let's go across the Atlantic, shall we? I think we should. The Valspar Championship. Um... It's a decent event. A very strong field this year. This is this tends to be the event on the Florida swing that's always been the poor relation. But this year we're seeing Spieth, we're seeing McElroy, Sergio, Justin Rose, Henrik Stenson, Paul Casey, and of course, Tiger Woods. So uh, Tiger Woods makes his course and tournament debut. Um, I can see there's already a little bit of blue on his name. Um but this, it, it, it's it's going to be a really tough event this week. Um, the forecast looks pretty punishing, I have to say. Let me read this out to you. Now, you guys know that Copperhead, where this is played, it's a 7,300-yard par 71. Uh, it's... Got um, it's not a standard setup though in terms of par seventy ones. So, you know, your standard par uh, seventy one would have three par fives. Well, this has got four par fives and five par threes. So there's a there's a there's a case for looking for players that are clearly doing uh, a lot of scoring on par fives at the moment because effectively you've got the same amount of par fives on this as you would on a standard par seventy two. But anyway, we digress. Um, it's a tough golf course, though. Now, last year, and I, one of the players I really seriously had in mind for this was Adam Hadwin, because we know that Hadwin finished very, very well at Riviera. Um, he played very well last week to get a top 10 down in Mexico at the WGC level. Um, I haven't gone for him this week, but um, one of the, the main reason I haven't gone for him is the weather forecast. It looks absolutely um, nasty. Um this is from 10 minutes ago. I use uh, Windfinder on uh, on the internet to get this kind of stuff. Um, we're looking at um, 
13 to 17 miles per hour winds on Thursday, gusting up to 22. Uh, Friday is where the scoring is going to happen. Uh, the wind disappears um, and you're looking sub 10 mile an hour winds um, across Friday. So you're going to see a lot of movement. You're going to see people shooting, you know, your 64s, your 65s to get them in, you know, towards the top of the leaderboard. But then Saturday, we're looking at 15 to 20, gusting 25 miles an hour. And Sunday, we're seeing every, anything uh, 25 miles an hour, gusting up to 35 miles an hour. And when I looked this morning, it looked like that a lot of the play, I mean, this is, we're talking Sunday here, we're, we're clearly discussing this Monday. But it looked like the weather was going to be full of thunderstorms throughout the day. But just in the last four hours, all of a sudden, the thunderstorms have moved forward in the day. So anything up to about 10, uh, 7, 8 o'clock. The rain then disappears and it looks like that the weather's going to be clear, but it's going to be extremely windy. And you can think about that. Well, we don't know about the forecast. Even if it goes to a Monday finish, we're still looking at 20 to 25 mile an hour winds. Mm. Um, there hasn't been a lot of wind, uh, sorry, a lot of rain in this part of uh, Tampa. Uh, it's the west coast of Florida, not the east. Um, there hasn't been a lot of rain, so I would expect that players are turning up to a very firm and fast golf course. But there is rain forecast uh, tomorrow night after uh, they clear the course. And into Wednesday morning, it looks like there's going to be a hell of a downpour overnight, Tuesday into Wednesday. So for me, I think we're going to see a fairly soft golf course across Thursday, Friday... A lot of wind on Thursday, but then I think it's going to be scorable on Friday when the wind disappears. But then there's threats of rain. Um, I think there's going to be rain Sunday going into uh, Saturday night going into Sunday. So we could see a very soft golf course on Sunday with winds anything up to 35 mile an hour gusting. So I think it shouts to me that potentially we need to be looking for players that are got a little bit of power behind them potentially or at least they like a bit of cut in the ground we're definitely looking for players that can grind can scramble we're looking for players that are good in the wind but and this is critical here it tends to suggest of course when you look at this especially with wind we're going to see the amount of greens in regulation uh, percentages fall so for me, it does bring into play both ball strikers, but also those guys that can hit 60, 66% of greens, but have got their standard great putting and scrambling game. They'll still be able to get round, keep bogeys off the card and score on the par fives. So I, I think it kind of could play into two, two fields here. Your Kevin Nahr type, who can scramble and score, keep the card clean, putt well, but also the ball strikers. But... And this is, this is something that really does come out in the stats here. It doesn't matter, really, if it's a calm year like last year where 14-under won Adam Hadwin, or if it's an 8-under year like the year before where Charles Svartzel won and we were looking at wind across all four days. It was really, really nasty in 2016. He won at 8-under. What you do see with all of the statistics here of previous winners is you know, the likes of ball strikers that can't putt well will not... They can contend, but they won't win. Because the, the clear statistic that I see when you look across, you know, driving accuracy, joint regulation, scrambling proximity, it's the, the putting, the uh, putts per GIR, the putting average number, is consistent. It averages out uh, uh, across all of the winners the last eight years at fifth. So fifth in the field for putting. Um, even the year that John Senden won, you think John Senden, he can't putt. Well, the year that he won this in 2014, he was actually putting quite nicely. He was in the top 15 or 20 for strokes going putting going into this. Um, so you, 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 we're going to need someone that clearly is a hot putter or is going to get the get the job done on the greens with the flat with the flat stick mm. this week. Um and that's kind of where I'm at. I, I haven't got to the point of publishing my preview. I'll be doing it tomorrow. I wanted just to see what's happening with this forecast. Because when I looked this morning, it really did look like, and it could look like this again in the morning, 
that AM PM starters were going to get a huge advantage with lower wind on the Thursday and no wind on the Friday. But it looks like it's kind of levelling out now where there isn't going to be too much advantage across the two the two uh, groupings this this um, this year. But for me, I'm looking for a well-rounded player who can avoid bogeys, who can uh, putt particularly well on these greens, Bermuda grass greens, and who is a fantastic win player. Someone, it, it kind of suggests to me an experienced player who, you know, as you were saying, Paul, over in India, someone that's quite happy making five, six pars on a, in a, you know, on, in a row, knowing that there were, there were scoring holes to come and can play that kind of strategic game rather yeah. than your, your all-out birdie-birdie kind of guy that as soon as there's a few double, you know, a few bogeys on the card, they, they completely, you know, they lose the will to live, that kind of yeah. player. Just a mentality, you know, approach. Yeah, to like you're, you're going to need a strong mentality this week looking at this forecast. Plus, I think you're going to have to be switched on enough to know that Friday is go day. You, you know, there's going to be low scoring Friday, and this is where I move into position. And from that point on, we're holding on for grim death. Hmm. Should be an interesting tournament. Yeah, 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 definitely. There's also, um, you know, there's eight, clearly I always look going back to 2010, eight winners of this... And it's interesting how they split. It literally splits 50-50. So Jim Furyk, 2010. Luke Donald, 2012. Jordan Speed, 2015. Charles Svartzel, 2016. So elite players. Uh, in the case of Furyk, he hadn't won for a couple of years. He'd won the Chevron World Challenge in the winter. Clearly playing some half-decent golf. Hadn't won on the PGA Tour. Gets the job done here. Luke Donald in 2012 was 11-1. to he was at the point having a head-to-head with Rory McIlroy, who, who was world number one. Jordan Spieth in 2015, he won this at 16 to one, and he hadn't. He, I don't know if you cast your mind back at this point. 2015 was clearly his glory year, but at this point, he hadn't won a tournament since he um, uh, was got his maiden victory in 2013. So he'd gone through this period of not winning on the PGA Tour, and Charles Schwartzel in 2016. He hadn't won in America since he won the 2011 Masters. So there's this thing here about, you know, elite players. If you're looking for an elite player, for me, you need to be looking at a player that's got a real need, a real desire to do well this week. You know, not someone that's just sharpening their game for the world match play and for the for Augusta. Someone that really has got that deep desire to, you know, whether that be win a tournament in the States for, for the first time in a while, like Phil did last year, uh, last week rather, or potentially um, a player who's you know playing so well at the moment, they just, you know, like a Justin Thomas type. But I don't see anyone like that in the field this week. The other four, Gary Woodland, he won here on debut in 2011. Uh, Kevin Streelman in 2012, John Senden in 2014, and Adam Hadwin last year. They all won at 125 to one. Uh, sorry, Woodland was 100s. Strillman was 200s. Uh, Hadwin was 125 to one, and uh, John Senden was also 125 to one. So this the one where was this the one where, uh, where Strillman reeled off like nine birdies on the trot to win? Or was that a different event? That was the Travellers. Right. Okay. This is the one where I tipped him up in. Um, I tipped him out up in. Uh, I think it was Puerto Rico. He missed the cut. Naturally, he came back to the states the next week, and he won. Yeah, that, that was that was the year. But yeah, it's it's um, it's going to be a really interesting test this week. I've got no doubt about that. What what do you guys remember of the course? What, uh, and Barry, I mean, let's 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 talk to you. Who in the field have you got a real interest in this week? Before I mention, I've got two players that I'm definitely going to tip up. I know that, but let's get your feedback first. I, I don't. I'm not going to, like I said, um, talking about the hero Indian. I'm not going to go too with too many bets this week. I'm going to rein it back in. Um, my focus has um, kind of narrowed in on one of my favourite players, Ryan Moore. Um, so he's tenth a couple of weeks ago, or three weeks back at Riviera, and he's got a pretty mm. savage record around here the last three years, with a fifth, a third, and an eighteenth. 
And uh, so I just snapped him up at 45 to 1 on Skybet, which is paying eight places. So uh, he's, he's got that, for me, he's got that kind of um, maturity about him that he can grind out scores when, when uh, the going gets tough. But um, he can also get extremely hot and, and rip off a few birdies. So um, he's, got that, he's got the combination that seems to be required this week to, to grind it out, but also take advantage of, the, uh, of a little bit of scoring when it's available, when the conditions are okay on Friday. It, it, interesting with Moore because he's one that's definitely on my short list topped greens in regulation last time out at uh, the Honda Classic so he's just clear, yeah, clearly got, finding a lot of greens and then inter- he, he putted like a dork last time that, that doesn't mean no no, but no, 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 no no bear with me that doesn't mean a great deal but then when he finished in the top 10 like you said at Riviera he putted brilliantly and I think this course for him is clearly somewhere where he's very comfortable. He knows the greens inside out. Um, I can see more having a great week. That's, I think that's a cracking tip. And the other thing I, I notice about him, he's got a little bit of motivation to get himself back inside the top 50. Um, yes. Just looking yes, here, he's yes. slipped to 68. And uh, I don't think that'll sit too well with him having missed like the WGC. And um, unless he was 50th at the turn of the year or inside the top 50 at the turn of the year, I don't think he'd be at Augusta. Uh, I think I think he finished top. I think he finished ninth there last year. So he's actually got a uh, Augusta invite. Okay, it, so it's, it, it's it's top twelve. There, yeah, there we go. Right, so that that well, okay. So he's got that in mind, but he's still you know you want to get back inside that top fifty. So uh, well, don't forget, don't forget as well. We've got the the match play coming sure. up. So you're probably looking what top? There'll be four or five pullouts. So probably top sixty nine, top seventy in the world will scrape him. Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah, should he about. should get into that as long as he holds his position this week. But anyway, um, you know it's. A golf pro's focus is not just about getting to Augusta; it's about being in all the top events, and uh, you know that's enough motivation for him, having slid down the rankings a little bit recently. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. See, can um, he match up his uh, recent good stats and uh, good course form? I think that's a cracking punt. I really do. I would not be surprised if I include uh, more tomorrow. We did, uh, just for the listeners, we did not collude before the show. <laughs> no, we didn't. Yeah, no. yeah. So, um, yeah. Look, just to be I, just to be clear, yeah, he's got his all. He's got an Augusta invite. He's got the PGA Championship invite, um, and that's about it. So, mm. yeah, for for a player of his ilk who was in the Ryder Cup eighteen months ago, um, yeah, he's clearly slipping. He's that kind of elite player. Um, that needs to perform and perform quickly, and it, clearly it's a course that suits. I tell you what else I noticed about here is when, and this is kind of bizarre, but it's true. When you look at previous winners around here, most of them actually haven't won on Bermuda grass. So Hadwin clearly, because he was a maiden, never won on Bermuda, but he'd won on Bermuda grass on the web.com. But Charles Svartzel, he'd never won on Bermuda grass in the states. Nor Jordan Spieth at this point, nor a John Senden, nor nor a Streelman. So you know, there's something in that. Um, Ryan Moore's never won on um, Bermuda grass, but we know that he puts well round here. So yeah, I, I can see more. I can definitely see that. What about you, Paul? Thoughts? Well, I, I kind of said to you last week when I was pulling together the preliminary stats for this that Kevin Nar sticks out because of his previous form round here and he was second at um, Riviera on his last start and I think he's got three top tens in he was he was runner up um, three or four years ago as well so and um, for outrights he kind of sticks out whether he fits given what you said in terms of the conditions um, probably needed a little bit more thought um, two first round leader punts that I'll wait and see what the forecast and the draw ends up being right but uh, Charlie Hoffman, um, he should be circa 80 to 1 for a first round leader, between 66 and 80. Um, and he's got a lot of the attributes you were talking about, particularly in the wind as well. Um, yeah. And he does like a fast start, does Charlie. Um, and the other one is the, my staple first round leader bet, which is Matt Every. And uh, Every's finished first round leader here in the past. Um, he's shown absolutely no form whatsoever, but that's perfect for first round leader in terms of getting a, a cracking price. So. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you get 300 to 1 about him being first round leader. So once I've seen the the uh, the, uh, the the draw and um, see whereabouts those two are playing, then um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll see if that's a viable bet for this week as well. I know we've got to wrap this up. I'll just give you my summary. Um, Jordan Spieth, I still think he's struggling with his um, 
putting. I don't think he'd be playing this if his game was in good shape. He'd, you know, he'd give this a miss. Uh, I think the same with Rory. I don't think he'd be playing this if his game was in great shape. Um, Sergio, for me, seems to be scram not scrambling particularly brilliantly. And I wonder about Sergio, whether he can string two you know, very high-profile um, finishes together in the States, because he doesn't seem to have done it for quite a period of time. Uh, Justin Rose always seems to struggle on the greens here, so you could build a case for Rosie. Stenson, this is his first uh, PGA Tour outing in the States this year. That puts me completely off Stenson. Paul Casey, you know, Paul could win, couldn't he? But he could win any day of the you know of the season. Twenty-five to one for a guy that hasn't won since two thousand and nine. I mean, that takes Phil Mickelson's uh, performance last week to extremes. If you're on Casey this week, Tiger Woods got to be tempting at thirty threes. We know he showed quite a lot um, at PGA National a few weeks ago. The only thing that puts me off Woods, well, two things: never played the golf course in competition, and secondly. This golf course is tree-lined, and we saw what he did at Riviera. He was all over the place off the tee when it, when it came to a tree-lined golf course. Yeah, I don't think this is as punishing off the tee, but I think that's enough for me not to go with Woods. Although, next week in mind, um, it'd be interesting to see how, how well he goes with uh, Bay Hill next around the corner. The two I'm interested in, I mentioned Adam Hadwin, but he doesn't rank nearly high enough on my wind... Uh, my Positive win stats, nowhere near what I want to see. I think Ben Ann could have a good week. Um, Adam Scott is very, very tempted because Scott actually found the putter last time out at the Honda. And I'm seeing a bit of 50-1 to 1 about Scott. So that's one potentially to bear in mind. But um, the one I've gone for definitely at the moment is Webb Simpson. I think Simpson falls into the mould here. Um, bogey avoidance, I think he's fifth so far this season. He's putting so well at the moment. He's sixth for strokes game, strokes game putting at the moment. He's finished second here in the past. He's got four top 20s. I just see him going well. Great win player. Uh, a soft golf course won't put him off in any way, shape or form. And he played really, really well at PJ National a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? When he went out in the last group, finished fifth. The other one I like, and I can't believe the price that I'm seeing about him. Um, although there's already blue on odds checker. Top 25 in the world, Charlie Hoffman 100 to 1 with Coral. I just think seven places each way. Charlie Hoffman ranks in the top three in my statistics for win positive players. And you always know with Charlie, never does too much on the West Coast, but as soon as he gets to these classical golf courses, yeah, where there's a bit of tree, you know, tougher golf courses, tree lined. We know that he was leading at the Masters last year. You know, he can mix it at the very high echelons now. I just think 100-1 to 1 about Hoffman this week on a course where uh, three times he's been in the top seven or eight after 54 holes. Last time uh, he did that, well, I think it was 2015, he was third after 54 holes. I think if you give him a, a decent position this time around with the fact that he's got a bit more confidence about him, he knows that he's a better player these days. I could see Hoffman going really well this week. So I'm going to definitely go for Charlie Hoffman, whether the 100-1 to is still about. But yes, Charlie Hoffman's definitely going to be in my selections. What do you nice. think? Well, I mean, I think yeah, it's good. time we all had a winner between... Well, sorry, a couple of winners between us. Um, I'm hoping for a turnaround of fortunes. Uh, but, you know, if we've every week you put in the effort and you just hope that uh, the stars align and the... You know the the bats click, fingers keep crossed. Digging, mate. You you got to keep you got to keep digging. There's wins Fing there's there's wins out there. Fingers crossed. Right, thank you, chaps, for your time. Much appreciated as ever. Um, we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. And as I said at the very start of the show, if you're listening to iTunes, please do spend some time and drop us a review. We'd really appreciate that. Thanks for your time, and uh, we will see you again next week. Thank you.